Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the final Small Bite segment for season three. Don't worry, I am covering both the third eye and the crown today. We will not be skipping any chakras. No, thank you. That's not the vibe. So I'm just going to just go right into it just because I'm going to be talking a lot because these two are so powerful and I'm so excited to talk about them today, which usually means the small bite segment might be a little bit more of like a, you know, appetizer and a salad soup combination. (laughs) It's the pre-food before we eat our food. (laughs) Sorry. Okay. Anyway, let's talk about the sixth chakra first our third eye, our Ajna, or the power of the mind. And this usually encompasses in our physical body, our brain, our neurological system, our pituitary and pineal glands, as well as our eyes, our nose, and our ears. So the sixth chakra usually links us to our mental body, our intelligence, and our psychological characteristics. Our psychological characteristics are usually a combination of what we know and what we believe to be true. And it's usually a very unique combination of facts, fears, personal experiences, and memories that are active continually within our mental energy body. Now, um, the sacred truth of this area is seek only the truth. It compels us to search continually for the difference between truth and illusion. The two forces present at every single moment of our life. Separating truth from illusion is more of a task of the mind than of the brain. The brain commands the behavior of our physical body, but the mind commands the behavior of our energy body, which is our relationship to thought and perception. The brain is the physical instrument through which thought is transferred into action, but perception and all that is associated with perception, like becoming conscious, is a characteristic of the mind. So becoming one is able to detach from subjective perceptions and see the truth or the symbolic meaning in any given situation. Detachment does not mean ceasing to care. It means stilling one's fear-driven voices. One who has attained an inner posture of detachment has a sense of self so complete that external influences have no authority within his or her consciousness. Such clarity of mind and self is the essence of wisdom, one of the divine powers of the sixth chakra. Now let's talk for a minute a little bit more about detachment because a lot of time you think of that and you're like, how does that have a place in spirituality? Aren't we supposed to all connect with one another? Doesn't the law of one say that we all have this very powerful connection physically, mentally, spiritually, all of the above? Yes, that's true, but that is not speaking to the same thing as detachment. So how do we apply detachment in practical terms in our lives. So let's take, for instance, the fact 
that we have all of these different circumstances in which we feel and understand different things based on how we've grown up and what we have been nurtured and socialized into, what our culture says that we believe, how we're supposed to really behave. And we have to really check into the truth of a situation based on those experiences and the illusion of our fear around it. So becoming detached and conscious means getting certain perceptions from our minds into our bodies. It means merging with perceptions that are truth and living them so that their power becomes one and the same as our own energy. So take, for instance, the truth change is constant. Mentally, we can absorb that teaching with little difficulty, yet when change occurs in our lives, when we notice that we are aging, when people we love die, or when relationships shift from being intimate and loving to distant, this truth is kind of terrorizing. I mean, seriously, it, 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 freaks, every, it freaks me out. <laughs> I don't like to think of those things and think, oh yeah, those are good things. A lot of times it makes us really scared. We often need years to recover from those types of changes because we had hoped that whatever it was would remain the same. You wanted it to be constant. You wanted it to remain. We knew all along that it would most likely change, but we can't help hoping that the energy of change will pass by just this one part, just this one part of our lives. So even when change is constant, feels like an enemy that has swept away a happy part of our lives, our lonely times will come to an end and a new part of our life will begin. The promise of change is constant is that new beginnings always follow closures. Consciousness is the ability to release the old and embrace the new with the awareness that all things end at the appropriate time and that all things begin at the appropriate time. This truth is difficult to learn to live with because humans seek stability, the absence of change, because it makes us feel safe. Therefore, becoming conscious means living fully in the present moment, knowing that no situation or person will be exactly the same tomorrow. So as change occurs, we work to interpret it as a natural part of life and strive to flow with it, to go with the flow as the Tao teaching counsels and not against it. We don't formulate resistance, but we move with it. Trying to make things remain the same is useless as well as impossible. Our task is to contribute the best of our energy to every situation with the understanding that we influence but do not control what we will experience tomorrow. So moving forward, (laughs) how can we really move into that type of energetic? So let's ask um, some questions about some of that. So, questions for self-examination. What beliefs do you have that cause you to interpret the actions of others in a negative way? What negative behavioral patterns continually surface in your relationship with others? What attitudes do you have that disempower you? What beliefs do you continue to accept that you know are not true? Are you judgmental? And if so, what situations or relationships tend to bring out that tendency in you? Do you give yourself excuses for behaving in negative ways? 
Can you recall instances in which you were confronted with a more profound level of truth than you were used to hearing and found the experience intimidating? What beliefs and attitudes would you like to change in yourself? And are you willing to make a commitment to make those changes? Are you comfortable thinking about your life in impersonal terms? And finally, are you frightened of the changes that might occur in your life should you openly embrace a conscious lifestyle? I can tell you I know the answer to some of those questions for myself. And all of them, it's like, oh God, do I actually do it? Do I actually, do I actually just do it? I'd like to say the answer is yes. What is your answer? <laughs> okay, so let's talk about the last chakra, our seventh chakra, our spiritual connector, the bridge to the cosmos. So generally, this is just the top of the head, but there are some other energy connections to the physical body. So the crown is the entry point for the human life force, which pours endlessly into the human energy system from the greater universe, from God or the Tao. This force nourishes the body, the mind and the spirit. It distributes itself throughout the physical body and the lower six chakras, connecting the entire physical body to the seventh chakra. The energy of the seventh chakra influences that of the major body systems, the central nervous system, the muscular system, and the skin. So let's talk about the sacred truth of this bridge to the cosmos. Seventh chakra energy motivates us to seek an intimate connection to the divine in everything that we do. This spiritual desire for connection is significantly different from the wish for connection to a religion. Religion, first of all, is a group experience whose main purpose is to protect the group, primarily from physical threats such as disease, poverty, death, social crises, and even war. Religion is rooted in first chakra energies. Spirituality, on the other hand, is an individual experience directed towards releasing fears of the physical world and pursuing a relationship to the divine. The sacred truth of this chakra is live in the present moment. Now, you know, when I was reading about this, I wasn't thinking that that would be the sacred truth. I was like, oh, this is going to be a whammy. But it was kind of like, oh, I've heard that plenty of times. Live in the present moment. But sometimes it sort of, you know, goes along the line of the Occam's razor situation. Like the most simplest thing is the most correct and genuinely for everything in our lives to live in the present moment is to truly be alive. So seeking a personal spiritual connection shakes us to our core. Our conscious or our unconscious prayer is to come to know the divine directly go something like, I no longer want to be protected within the group, nor do I desire to have a mediator filter my guidance for me. I now want you to move into my life directly and remove from my life any obstacles, be it a person, place, or occupation that interferes with my ability to form an intimate union with you. So as Eckhart Tolle wrote in The Soul is One with God, the ultimate aim of the mystic is identity. God is love and he who is in love is in God and God in him. So the other thing about this chakra is it speaks strongly to devotion. And there is a spiritual crisis with, or with and around the process of devotion. 
because we all need it in a sense. We all need to devote ourselves to something and someone or some way of life that we've portrayed to be the best, to be the end goal that would bring us the highest of heights and the hope of all hopes. But truly devotion is sort of empty when we put it towards something that is external that is outside of ourselves and once we discover that what we are devoted to is not of higher energetic that is not just a source of higher vibration or of god we become aware that we've been devoting ourselves to empty space and things that will never give us back what it is we truly need so the symptomology of a spiritual crisis is almost identical to that of a psychological crisis so since a spiritual crisis naturally involves the psyche a usually newbie mystic or somebody who's just starting may be unaware that the crisis is spiritual in nature and may just describe his or her dilemma as psychological the symptoms of the spiritual crisis are distinct however and there's usually three forms of it the first one is the absence of meaning and purpose the next is strange new fears and then self or identity i'm no longer sure of who i am and of what i want out of my life so and lastly the the, the third symptom is is the need to experience devotion in its appropriateness to something greater than yourself and many psychological texts available usually describe human needs rarely mention our fundamental need for devotion yet devotion i should say sorry yet we all biologically and energetically need to be in contact with a source of power that transcends human limitations and turmoil we need to be in touch with a source of miracles and hope devotion commits a part of our conscious mind to our unconscious eternal self which is in turn connects us directly to a divine presence even brief and fleeting encounters with this presence and its infinite power help our conscious minds release fears in life and how and, and human power ceases to command our attention our need to be devoted to a higher power has found numerous inappropriate surrogates like devotion to a corporation or a political party an athletic team a personal exercise program even or even a street game all these earthbound surrogates will eventually fail the devotee no matter how much you exercise you will age you will remain healthy in the process but you will still get older and much of the anguish people suffer when they are let go from companies they have served loyally for years undoubtedly occur because because their loyalty contained an unconscious devotion we expect our devotion to earthly things and people to return to us a quality of power that can take care of our woes but no human being or organization commands such power no guru no minister no priest no prophet can manage the energy of devotees for long without some form of scandal we are not meant to be devoted to a human being devotion is meant to be directed upward and to take us with it 
The absence of meaning and the loss of self-identity and the need for devotion are the three strongest symptoms, indicating that a person has entered into the dark night. Certainly these characteristics are similar to common psychological dilemmas that people experience, yet when their root is spiritual, the person lacks the motivation to blame other people for causing the crisis. So instead, he or she realizes that the cause of the crisis is internal. It's within you. The inadequacy, the inadequacy of the external components of your life is a consequence of the spiritual crisis and not the cause. So a skilled spiritual director can usually help people get through the dark night and many woes or many problems and challenges that involve facing intense psychological issues. Usually counseling and psychologists would seek the cause by looking into the negative patterns that here that are in our relationships from childhood and onward. And while identifying these negative patterns is certainly helpful in spiritual counseling, uh, a spiritual director investigates as a priority the content of a person's inner dialogue related to matters of the spirit, such as what questions have you asked that seek insight into your life's purpose? What fears do you have related to your understanding of God? Have you judged your life as meaningless when you evaluate it within a spiritual context? What spiritual fantasies do you have? And do you, for example, believe that seeking a spiritual path makes you superior to other people or that it makes God more aware of you than others who are not as involved in a spiritual path as you are? Have you asked in the privacy of your prayers or thoughts for insights into the reasons that you find it difficult to have faith in God? Do you feel that you have in some way failed in the choices that you have made for yourself? Are you conscious of ever having violated your own spiritual rules? Have you ever desired to be healed? And have you ever desired to know God in a deeper way than you presently do? And we could go into the dark night of the soul, but I feel like I've gone over that plenty of times and just know that it is a continual process. Where you put your devotion is going to really allow you to understand where you really may have successes and failures and where you're really meant to be and whether your purpose is being fulfilled because your devotion is meant to be upwards and you are supposed to go with it. So... Let's close this out with the questions of self-examination. I know I just asked you a couple of them, but here are some more. What questions have you sought guidance with during meditations or moments of prayer? What answers to these questions would you most fear? Do you bargain with God and do you complain to God more than you express gratitude? Do you tend to pray for specific things rather than pray in appreciation? Are you devoted to a particular spiritual path? And if not, do you feel a need to find one? Have you found surrogates to be devoted to? And if so, make a list of them and evaluate your your relationship to them. And do you believe that your God or your source is more authentic than the divine and other spiritual traditions? Are you waiting for God to send you an explanation for your painful experiences? If so, list those experiences out. 
How would your life change if Source or God or Goddess suddenly decide to answer your questions? And how would it change if the answer you received was, I have no intention of giving you insight into your questions at this point in your life. <laughs> what would you be prepared to do then? And have you started to have you started and stopped a meditation practice? And if you have, what are the reasons that you failed to maintain it? What spiritual truths are you aware of that you do not live by? And list them out. And finally, are you afraid of a closer spiritual connection to the divine because of the changes that it might trigger in your life? Okay, that's it. Those are all of the sacred truths of all of the chakras. And I really hope that you found some real significant information here. I know that this was a huge thing for me when I was reading this book. By the way, I got all this information from The Anatomy of Spirit by Carolyn Miss. And if you'd want to get the information that I've been listing off for the last couple of weeks, that is the book. That is the book. And she's really changed my viewpoint and my perspective on the chakras and the, the amount of in-depth knowledge that I feel like I have now is far and away more than what it was God, six months ago. It's just so much more rich and I implore you to check it out if it's something that interests you. Either way, if you loved this and if you feel like this is something that you know would benefit anybody, please share. Share this information. Share the love. Let other people know about this lovely chakra systems and their truths and all the things. And I hope that you guys have found some love and meaning in this whole series. And I look forward to talking with you guys in the next episode, which is our final episode for season three. And I hope that you have a really beautiful rest of your midweek. Moving on into the weekend, slowly but surely. And I really love you guys. And I hope you have a really beautiful and fantastic day. And I look forward to talking at you again soon. Love and light to you all.